Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. We're in a series that we've entitled, The Necessity of Connection. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, You Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we're as house built in the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We're a family. We're a part. So today what we're going to talk about is being connected to the congregation. So take a moment, those of you in the house here, and just look around, and as you look around, you're looking at the congregation, all right? It's the people of God. I have to be connected to you. We're going to work on that response in a moment, okay? Because this isn't a choice that you and I get to make. This is something that is a critical part of Christianity, And God doesn't just put us in a place where He says it's a good suggestion. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. I appeal to you, Edodia and Seneca, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. Now, I'll just ask you a simple question. Have you got some disagreements that aren't settled? If you do, you should settle them. Have you ever noticed that conflict doesn't just resolve itself? You have to do it, don't you? You have to work at it. And I ask you, my true partner, help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Paul writes to this church, knows there's a disagreement going on between two people, and he says, fix it. Don't just keep going on. Don't just keep doing it. You resolve it. We tend to run away from difficulties rather than going into them. John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Our greatest testimony to the world is how we love each other. So there is nothing more important in your relationship with God than your relationship with other people. The gauge of our maturity is how we love others. So we're going to look at that this morning. Oh boy. Well, I know you're up for it because you've got an extra hour of sleep, so it's going to be fine, you know? All right. So here we begin. God commands us to love others. He doesn't suggest it. He doesn't say it would be nice if. He says, look, you love other people. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. This is His commandment. Commandment. You do this. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. This is the heart of the gospel. Remember, there's two great commandments. Jesus said it. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, right? And then second, just like it, love others as yourself. There it is. It's just the same. 
those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him, and He with them, and we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave us is in us. First, Second John 1.6. Love means doing what God commands us, and He has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So, the Bible is really very clear and very simple about our responsibility and our relationship if we're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you love God with everything that you have and everything that you are. You put, seek His kingdom first. You want what He wants above everything else. Our Father in heaven, you know, hallowed be their name. Your kingdom, God, your will be done. I want you above everything else. And God, I also love the people around me that you have placed into my life who are part of the body of Christ. I love them. Not an option. Not something you get to, well, you know, I love most people. I love the person sitting over there, but this one over here, eh. You know, that's how we tend to do it, don't we? You see, if you're going to love somebody, it means you have to work at that, don't you? Anybody married? You got to work at it, right? So, it's a command by God. Now, okay, let me just say something to you very clearly, I hope, and very succinctly. Your problem is never other people. you hear me? The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So when you're having a problem with another person, it's not the other person you're having a problem with, it's you. And the enemy is doing everything he can to get you to respond in a way that is incorrect which takes you in a place that God doesn't want you to be, and you think your battle is that person. Well, if that person would just straighten up, I would be better. Well, if they just wouldn't have done that, I'd be okay. Well, no, you wouldn't. And you see, we're a sucker for it. We fall for it. Oh, yeah, I'm good, but, you know, I'm good with God. But these people just drive me crazy. Well, let me just ask you a question. Who's the one going crazy? You. So who's got the problem? You. Well, I just can't get along with them. Whose problem is that? I'm waiting for an answer. I'm not moving until you answer me. Okay. It's mine. And God says, look, you want to be a Christian? Here's what you got to do. You have to love me with everything you have. I have to be the number one priority in your life. You have to follow my ways and my will, and you must want me more than you want anybody else, and I will not take a backseat to anyone. I will have to be first. I will have to mean everything to you. I will have to be your life. And you're going to have to love other people. Now, he just made this really hard, didn't he? 
but yet it is a command. And that's the point we're going to start at the very beginning. This is not an option. This is not something, well, I, I, I think he kind of meant it. Well, he doesn't understand my circumstances. Well, he doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't understand who I have to deal with or who I have to live with. He just doesn't know. He doesn't get it. Hold it. He's God. Fix it. He commands us. You love him and you love others. And if I've got a problem, the problem is me that I have to deal with. And I can't blame other people. When I get to heaven, stand before God, I'm not going to be able to say, well, God, I did everything pretty well, and I would have done a whole lot better if it hadn't been for that person. Just a heads up, if you think this is going to get better as I go along, it's not. Okay? We're kind of in this, but that's the point. So, that means I have to love others. And that means <laughs> I have to overcome my issues. Oh, yes, you have issues. Well, the person next to me has issues. Yes, they do. But I have to deal with my issues. Why is it that you and I have a hard time with other people? Why is it we have a hard time loving people like we love ourselves? Why is it that we struggle with this? Here's what Romans 12:18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. In other words, I might not have peace with everybody, but if I don't have peace with them, it will not be my fault. They made that choice. I won't. So I am responsible to live at peace with everyone. You married? Okay, I'll go on. That means I can't be selfish. I can't be selfish. It's not about me. You see, if I'm going to love God with all my heart, if I'm going to love other people, that means it's not about me, is it? But see, we tend to make all of life about me. And God's trying to wean us away from that and get us out of that trap and say, look, quit looking in the mirror and thinking everything is about you and what you want and what you think and how you work and realize it's not about you. It's about me, God says, and it's about you and other people. Quit being selfish in this. Well, you know what? They just don't agree with me, so I'll just unfriend them. Or they're just weird. There's a lot of weird people in this world. You're one of them. And we tend to eliminate people who don't agree with us. We tend to shout them down. We tend to think they're wrong, and uh, we just have to be in control, and we have to have our way. The Scripture tells us over and over again, you have to die to yourself. Well, you know, I've got my own little group here, and you know, and these people, and if you look at those people, they're all people who won't challenge you, who think just like you, and who you get along with because they coddle you. And it's okay to have a group of people, but uh, if you haven't made any new friends in the last year or so, 
there's a problem. Don't be selfish. It's not just about you. Secondly, don't be skeptical. We are skeptical people. We label people. We don't give them much time either. We make quick judgments, first impressions, or that person reminds me of. And so we tend to be very critical people, don't we? You cannot be judgmental. People are different from you. Thank God. We're not the same. Good. You don't know other people's motives. We don't know their history. We don't know what they've been through. Your opinions are yours. It's okay to keep them to yourself. But we tend to look at everything. I wonder what they want. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder why they said that. I'll bet they're doing this. I bet they don't like me. I, I bet they care about this. You know? And so we tend to look at people with a critical eye, always quick to point out flaws, always quick to notice they're not doing this and they're doing this and they shouldn't act like this. And we have to put our skepticism aside and accept people for what they are. Because you're, if you're a skeptic, hear me, you will find something wrong. Because that's what skeptics do. You're quick to point out the wrong, but not so quick to look at the right. And so I have to come to this place where I realize, okay, I just can't be skeptical about everybody, questioning their motives. Why are they doing that? Why are they saying that? Because if I do that, I will tend to push them away when love demands that I bring them in. Don't be sensitive. All right, here we go. If you are easily hurt, grow up. People will hurt you. Why? Because we have to be vulnerable. People will say things to you you don't like. Love them anyway. People will act in ways that are hurtful. You keep loving. Well, I'm not going to be a doormat. (laughs) No, but you don't have to be a porcupine either. Watch your expectations. Isn't it amazing we expect more of people than we expect of ourselves? And I have to come to that place where I have to deal with my insecurities. And I have to deal with my embarrassments and my fears. And I have to get rid of this protective shield that I build around me to keep people away from me so I'll never get hurt again. And if you've got that shield around you where you'll never get hurt again, you're done growing as an individual and growing as a Christian and you're isolating yourself away from people and away from God. And yet somebody just looks at you wrong and you go, do you see how they looked at me? I bet they think, 
and we just get hurt so easily that it's amazing anybody can be around us. And then say they hurt, well, they hurt my friend, so they can't be a friend of me. Well, that's really unbiblical too. Don't pick up the offenses of others. And so you can't be a sensitive person wearing your feelings on your sleeve, always getting hurt by somebody because what they said. And there's a lot of people, especially in the church, that have developed a way of relating to the church because sometime years ago, somebody in the church hurt them. Grow up. People hurt people. I know I've used it before. Let me just use it again. Anybody here married? Right? It happens. It's life, isn't it? And Paul writes to those two ladies, fix it. Don't just keep grumbling and complaining about it. Don't just, ah, that's the way they are. I'll go there and they can go here. I don't care. Fix it. Don't just let it go on. Well, I'm going to fix it, but they're going to have to apologize to me first. Then you're not fixing nothing. You're just making it worse. You see, we're so selfish, so self-centered, so skeptical of everything that's going on around about us because if you're not careful, life will do that because life is hard and people hurt people. And yet love overlooks all of that, doesn't it? I'm waiting for that answer too. So, one more, okay? Don't be stubborn. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't have to apologize. I'm okay. This is just the way I am. They can take it or leave it. Let me just tell you something. They're going to leave it. And that's not the way to be. Love is gentle and kind. And so I have to come to that place where, you know what? I have some beliefs that I'm going to hold to that nobody's going to change me. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, came to this world to die for my sins, and salvation comes through Him, and I will not stop ever believing that. But there are a lot of other opinions that I have that I don't have to live and die for. But yet we tend to make minor things points of conflict and we become unbending. And if somebody challenges us, we power up and get angry and we, it separates us because that's what anger does. Anger just brings separation. And then we isolate ourselves. And isolation and anger kill us. And so I have to come to that place where I am more willing to bend, where I don't have to have my way. Well, I never get my way. Aren't you precious? (laughs) So we come to that place where we understand if I am going to love people the first thing I have to deal with is God tells me it's not an option if I'm a Christian, right? The second thing is I've got to deal with me. 
because I am a big part of the problem. And many times if I'll deal with me, that's all I've got to deal with. Do your part to live at peace with everybody. As much as it's possible with you, live that way. Boy, this dying to self stuff just stinks, doesn't it? It's really hard, isn't it? And yet that's the heart of the gospel, isn't it? Christ laid down His life for us. We're to lay down our life for other people, correct? Love keeps giving. And we live in a world that does not encourage that. But what that means is this. I will need to overlook the faults of others. Just so you know, that's not something I'm making up. Here's what Scripture says. Ephesians 4.2, always be humble, lower yourself, and gentle. Gentleness is a great trait, by the way, isn't it? Boy, you guys are really, you need more sleep or what? Be patient with each other. So why does God put difficult people in your life? And hear me, He will to help develop patience. Yay! And to help you grow up. Because how does God change us through other people? God principally has three ways of changing you. Through His Word and through His Spirit. He'll change you with that if you'd listen. But how many of us read the Bible and goes, oh, it says don't do that. Okay, I'll stop. We don't, do we? We read it, but oh yeah, I'll work on it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Secondly, through problems. He brings difficulties into your way so that you'll respond correctly and grow up in the midst of them. And so Paul writes, count it joy when you enter into difficulties and all those things because you know it's going to work this and it's going to work this and it's going to work this and this is going to work this and this is going to have this confidence that comes because of it. And so difficulties come into our life so that you and I can draw closer to God and watch God take care of our problems and our difficulties and so that we can grow in Him and become stronger Christians and better people, right? So he works through his word. He, he works through people. The uh, problems, the third way, through people. God puts people into your life to help you grow up. Thus, you and I get mad at somebody that God has placed there for our benefit. Because you know why? He placed them there to get out some of the rough edges that we have. And we all have them. So that we will grow. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because you love them. You make allowance for faults. Now, please hear me. It does not say you work at changing their faults. It doesn't say that, does it? You make allowances for their faults. Why is that? Because they're going to have to make allowances for your faults. Well, I'm not at fault here. Oh, boy. we got a long time to deal with that one, don't we? Because what do other people do to our lives? They bring to the forefront our issues, don't they? 
They make us confront things. That's why we don't like people. Well, I'm around them. I just lose my temper. Oh, so who has the problem? (laughs) And so if we want our faults to be overlooked, and we do, don't we? That means we overlook the faults of others. What does that basically mean? It basically means this. I accept other people as they are, not as I want them to be. God accepts us as we are. That's how we're to accept others, isn't it? You see, too many people enter into a relationship. We'll go back to the marriage thing again because I think this is one of the areas that really brings it to the forefront, all these issues. You get married and sometimes one of the people is thinking, boy, I can, I, they got a few rough edges, but I can fix that. And if you entered into a marriage or relationship thinking you're going to fix the other person, you will be disappointed. You will be frustrated. You will lose your patience because, you know what? That's who they are. And you married them for better or for worse. You just didn't know how worse, worse was. And why is it? Well, they just do this and they just do this. Whose issue is that? My issue, isn't it? We are changing us not others. Changing me is a full-time job. You will get to spend the rest of your life trying to fix you. And boy, you need to live a long time. Because most of our issues with other people is personality is things about them of just who they are. Well, that's not the way I was raised. Well, that's not the way I am. You need to be more bubbly. After all, I'm bubbly, and you should be bubbly too. Or you need to quit being so bubbly, because I've had enough of that, and this is who I am, and let's get back to reality, and let's deal with that. And so we all have these differences that God created and put into place and made us this way. And he says, look, in spite of your differences, I want you to get along. I don't want you to be trying to fix them and fix them. Changing people is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit, not me. And so other people are not perfect. There are some people who need to develop some social skills. There are also some people who are raised with some goofy ideas. There are some people who have some wild opinions. Accept them as they are. God can change them. You and I are called to love them. Quit getting in God's way. And so you and I come to that place where God commands, says, this is what you have to do. Here's what you're going to have to do for yourself if you're going to do this, and you're going to need to overlook the faults of others, and one other thing you're going to need to do is you're going to have to forgive others often. Often. Because how often does God have to forgive you? Often. 
And yet he keeps doing it, doesn't he? Proverbs 17.9, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. If you keep going after it and after it, you've got to fix this, I'm going to fix this. Forgive it. Let it go. Colossians 3.12, God chose you to be the holy people he loves, that's, that's us, holy, separate. What does that separation mean? Holy mean. I love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. He's everything. That's holy. That's what, what I want. You clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, there's a list you can work on for a while, isn't it? Make allowances for each other's faults. No, I'm not quoting the same verse. He says it again. Forgive anyone, anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must, must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Love covers. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. As members of a part of a congregation, you are called to live in peace. Other people will hurt you. Forgive them. Well, I'll forgive them, but i got to tell them what they did. No, you don't. Forgive them and let it go. Well, you know, they disappointed me. They said this and this and this and they didn't. Let it go. Forgive them. Forgiveness is let it go. Don't make it an issue. Don't hold on to it. Don't keep bearing the grudge. Deal with your rejection, your hurt, your emotions, your feelings. At some point in life, you're going to be, have to be vulnerable because that's what love demands. Well, they hurt me. Forgive them. Let it go. They disappointed me. Forgive them. It's done. It's over. Well, how often do I have to do that? Fortunately for us, the Bible tells us, doesn't it? Don't keep track is basically what it says. More than you want to is basically what it says. You keep forgiving. You keep doing it. Well, but you don't know what that. You keep forgiving. You keep doing it. Now again, I always have to address this. I, I, I just do. Well, they hurt me. They took advantage of me. They, you don't have to keep yourself in a place where you keep getting physically hurt. But you do have to forgive. God condemns us if we refuse to love others. Here's what he says. You're not going to do this. Here's what you need to understand. Now, he's pretty strict here. This is kind of shocking as you look at it. 1 John 3.10. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously having the life that lives like it needs to live and does not love other believers does not belong to God. 
That's pretty blunt, isn't it? Pretty clear, right? Okay, I'm almost at the end. You still haven't caught on to this. <laughs> this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Verse 14, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we've passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. They're still not a believer. Anyone who hates another believer or sister is really a murderer at heart. Ow. Remember Jesus said in the Beatitudes, if you have a heart, it's the same as murder. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. First John 4.19, we leave, love each other because He loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God we cannot see? Now, that's the crux of the issue right there, isn't it? I can't say I love God and don't love people. Well, I love them, I just don't like them. No, you can't say that. And He has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And our love for one another will demonstrate to the world that we're Christians. So, how are you doing? Deep down, all of us want to be loved by others, don't we? Deep down, all of us just want to be accepted for who we are, as we are. We all want to be forgiven, because we've all made a lot of mistakes, haven't we? And love does that. So I'm asking you this morning to take a little inventory inside, in your heart, and in your head. If you're here today and you say you love God, are you loving other people the same way? If you're here today and you don't know God, God loves you just as you are. He'll accept you just as you are. Well, don't I have to get my life back together before God will accept me? No. He'll help you do that. But you don't need to do that as your first step. Your first step is to come to Him and to let Him enter your life. And you change your life for Him and begin loving Him. And He'll work with you on the rest of it. And if you're a Christian today, maybe you've gotten caught in this trap of thinking, I don't need people. I don't want people. And I'm not going to let anybody hurt me. Why would anyone want to live a life that way? Christianity is meant to be enjoyed, enjoying God's presence and enjoying the company of the congregation. How are you doing on that? Let's pray. Lord, today, we thank you for the clarity that you give to us through your word to tell us, to show us, this is how it has to be done and this is what I want. And you don't do that to be mean and harsh. You do that because you know that will give us the best life possible. 
And if we'll do what you're asking, our life will be significantly better than any life that anyone else could ever have. The enemy tries to do everything he can to rob us of that joy and of that life. Telling us it's not going to work that way and that there's another way to have it. And yet that other way never is fulfilling and never lasts and never works. But your ways are perfect and always right. So Lord, would you help us today to follow your commands for our benefit and for our good, for the life that we have because of Jesus Christ. We thank you today. Help us, we pray. In thy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.